I also don't think everyone has to spend their entire non-working hours trying to curate a brand either. What works for some people doesn't mean it's going to work for everyone. I would always stress, figure out something you're good at, master that, and opportunities and the ability to develop a reputation and brand, whether it's online or offline, will come. Welcome to Rep Your Brand, a podcast for B2B marketers who are looking to build their career through a strong personal brand. Rep Your Brand is hosted by Nick Bennett, one of LinkedIn's top voices on field marketing and personal branding. In each episode, Nick captures stories on how to overcome the challenges marketers face with growing their brand. So if you're a marketer looking to open doors and create opportunities that you never thought were possible, then listen in to get tangible tips and strategies to build your very own personal brand. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Rep Your Brand, a podcast for B2B marketers who are looking to build their careers through a strong personal brand. I'm Nick Bennett. This podcast is brought to you by my friends at Motion. They're a done-for-you podcasting service for scrappy marketing teams in B2B tech. They're two of the nicest guys around, and the work that they do is truly world-class. And you can find them at motionagency.io. And today, I'm super pumped because this is an interesting one for us. We've got Pete Lorenko. So Pete is newly appointed VP of marketing at Alice. We happen to know each other. We happen to work each other. He's my boss. He makes me do things that I don't want to do. But honestly, he's someone that I've learned a lot from over the time that I've known him. And we met in Pavilion and we run in a lot of the same circles. We both also happen to love fantasy sports. So Pete, I am absolutely pumped to have you today. Thank you for joining me. No, that's fine. I remember when you and I were joking about doing this and I was like, I don't know. I feel like I have the smallest personal brand of any person that you've had on this to date. But no, thrilled to be here. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share this space with you and, and the audience. Yeah, for sure. So why don't we start here? Because I feel like you bring up a good point and you think that you don't have a big, you know, personal brand, so whatever you want to call it. I think your issue is lack of consistency, but that's just me. Why don't we go down a little bit for the people that don't know you, which, you know, give yourself some credit. People definitely know who you are, but just give people like, a, you know, a 30,000 like high level view of like who Pete is, what are you passionate about? You know, what's your marketing background? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as Nick, you so generously shared recently, I joined Alice roughly four months ago, originally leading demand gen to work with Nick and MK, who is our awesome leader. And I think MK was featured on one of these earlier. MK got an awesome opportunity and moved on. And I have since uh, taken over that role. And I'm, again, extremely grateful to Alice and to MK and others that, that helped put me in this situation. Prior to Alice, I've done a bunch of marketing roles across I would say more predominantly bigger logos. So companies like EMC, which is now Dell Technologies, Iron Mountain, Iron Mountain Digital got acquired by HP Autonomy, Avid Technology, which is in the media and creator space. So a bunch of more like publicly traded enterprise. And Nick, as you know, one of the things that attracted me to Alice besides what I thought was a team that was doing great marketing and a really well recognizable brand was I am definitely more experienced working in larger companies. So I was looking for that opportunity to kind of get more into the startup world, more ingrained into that type of culture, that type of work approach and all the different things that separate enterprise from startups. That first and foremost, that's a little bit about me. You know, 
what we like to talk about at Alice and something I'm very passionate about is also what makes somebody outside of their nine to five, if you will. So five to nine, I'm a parent. That's sort of how I self-identify. Dad of two, uh, a four-year-old son and a two-year-old daughter, they are my absolute joys in life. Everything I do these days is for them. As you know, Nick, you're introduced to them rather often in calls. But besides that, I live in Charleston, South Carolina, originally from Boston. Charleston is like living in a vacation paradise for me every day. I absolutely love it. We're five minutes from the beach, five minutes from downtown. I'm big into food. I grew up in the restaurant world with my parents working in the kitchen. <laughs> Pretty much every job in, in a restaurant from busing tables to waiting tables to washing dishes to being a prep cook and then an actual cook. So the food industry, restaurants in general, food, that's a huge part of my life as well. And Charleston has an amazing food scene. I would strongly recommend actually as a side note, anyone that loves food and is in the Charleston area, like amazing food selections and options. And then really last but not least, Nick, you hit on it. Fantasy sports is like my other side hobby. It's that really interesting mix of if you've been an athlete or you love sports with the data and the analytics. And it really just gives another meaning behind, like some people like to bet on sports and things like that. Fantasy sports is similar in a sense, but what you're betting on is the people, the the players and the team that you built. And it gives you just another incentive to watch teams for me that are not Boston-based sports teams. I love it. I love it. That was a fantastic overview. And so let's kind of let's get into it because, you know, I have some questions for you about life. And so I think you know, I want to kind of go down. What does personal branding mean for you? Because you and I have talked about this plenty of times offline and like your view is uh, interesting for sure. Yeah. So, you know, I'd say first and foremost for me, the, the way I thing about personal branding is ultimately it's an element of your reputation. I believe in the context that most of us these days are using it, particularly on social platforms, is the idea of your digital presence. I am 100% Nick, as you know, in favor and believe that we all have a digital presence, whether we want to admit it, acknowledge it, or like it or not. I think where I differ from potentially others is my preference is I believe in the working experience that I've done brings credibility and I prefer credibility over being like the most popular person, if you will. And that's partially because I'm also, Nick, as you well know, extremely introverted naturally. That's probably why I married my wife who's in sales. She's that that good counterbalance to me. But you know, like a, an enjoyable day for me that when I'm not working is like sort of just to lounge around the house or lounge by myself and just kind of decompress whether that's reading a book, watching TV, working on a fantasy sports team, whatever it is, like that can be an ideal day for me where others, they get that excitement out of connecting with people online or connecting with people face-to-face. So I don't want to diminish that, but for me, credibility comes first. And maybe that's also because of my upbringing where working in a small business with my parents, you know, I, I learned the hard way that you could have the greatest credentials, but if you came into the kitchen and you couldn't make a pie, for example, pie being pizza, not actual baked pie, you weren't going to last very long. Like your credentials just didn't matter to us. It's what you did for me lately. And while I don't think personal branding is trying to diminish that same value, I think there's ways to artificially influence or inflate your personal brand. And then you can get into a role and not be what you're perceived to be or not do what you say you do. So I personally just value doing the work and the credibility that comes with delivering results. But with that said, and Nick, you know this, like I have 
it's an area that I'm selfishly trying to tackle and figure out myself. Like I definitely want to be more thoughtful about the insights that I share, the learnings that I've experienced along the way. And if I can better share and communicate some of that, I would like to explore the ways to do that. But at least up to this point and up to meeting people like yourself, Nick, and just the idea of personal branding being more mainstream, if you will, it was definitely an area of my career and my intentional life, if you will, that I didn't put as much stock in. And to some degree, I do regret that. I do believe that you should invest some time. But I guess I'll end this by saying, I also don't think everyone has to spend their entire non-working hours trying to curate a brand either. What works for some people doesn't mean it's going to work for everyone. I would always stress, figure out something you're good at, master that, and opportunities and the ability to develop a reputation and brand, whether it's online or offline, will come. Some of the people I know who are the best people in their profession, whether it's marketing, sales, or otherwise, don't have huge brands, but they have great networks that they curated offline. And those are people that they can pick up the phone, they can send an email, they can send a text, and they have a network of people that they know are sort of looking out for them. And truthfully, Nick, in summary, I guess if I would say, that's sort of what I have always tried to curate. And I'm not sure I'm doing the best job of that personally, but I prefer to have like people I know I can go to in any situation, including potentially trying to find a job or whatever it is. And I believe they have my back, kind of like you think about friendship versus like a huge brand where I might have 50,000 people that follow me, but I might know 1% of them. So it's just, I have a slightly different view of it, but I, I have nothing but respect. And I think what often goes overlooked in this is the amount of work that goes into like what you and others have done to build pretty incredible audiences and, and reach. So Yeah, no, I appreciate it for sure. And so I wanted to kind of, you know, being a, a marketing leader like yourself, I'm always curious on this piece, like, and you kind of hit on it a little bit, but do you, when hiring people, does an audience play a piece, especially say, let's we'll use MarTech, for example, does an audience play a piece into hiring for roles based on people's networks? Historically for me, no. Credibility, as you heard me say earlier, credibility for me is everything. So the ability for me to pick up the phone and call somebody that you've worked with or to reach out to somebody maybe that's in a shared network and they say like, hey, Nick's a fantastic field marker. Like, It doesn't mean I want to diminish the work that person might have done building a blog or podcast, et cetera. But if that's not the role I'm hiring them for, I don't put as much, historically at least, I didn't put as much preference into that. I would say more recently, when I come across cans now that have side hobbies or built audiences, and especially in marketing where audience building and capturing attention stuff is really, at the end of the day, one of the ultimate goals to help drive pipeline revenue, I've definitely had a new change of perception around it. So I definitely put more value on it today than I did. But that's an evolving mindset and thought process that truthfully, even for myself, as I shared, I didn't put as much stock on it in my own career and, and reputation development so yeah it's helpful because i feel like it's definitely it depends on the the industry all of those things but i feel like you know what you can't rely on is someone coming into a role in like you know hey you're connected to 30 40 000 people why aren't you, you know bringing like all these leads in and whatnot it's like it's such a hard thing to track and i feel like that's another whole piece it's like 
I don't want to go down the attribution path, but like, how do you deliver ROI from a personal branding standpoint for like a company? Like, what are your thoughts on like, I mean, we work together, take something like, you know, me, or you could even take like Chris Walker and the team over at Refine Labs. Like, how do you measure someone's impact from an audience that they build and directly tie it to revenue when it's not always that easy? Yeah. So I have a, I have a few different thoughts on this one. I don't give two blanks if I can track and measure everything or if I can't, as you know, in the event that you are trying to articulate that value. I mean, one thing that we recently did at Alice, as you know, Nick, is when we were promoting Universe, which is, it's not like a, you know, it's just our event to try to educate and provide better ways to drive momentum and create moments in marketing as opposed to like selling Alice, if you will. But Nick, if you remember, like when we were doing some organic sharing and posting across the company, we were using UTM codes in the back to track like, all right, Nick's reach enable us to get 10 registrants, Pete's got six. And I think one of the interesting takeaways for me in that experience or that journey was like, while people like yourself, Nick, with bigger followings and audience obviously drove the largest volume, someone like myself, who frankly has a far smaller audience than you, as you remember, like my conversion rate of traffic to our universe page was the highest, I think, of the entire team, if I'm not mistaken. So I think there's ways like that, like this example I just shared, that if you are trying to articulate value, there are things that you could explore testing, like running certain promos or offers where you can use different tracking things to see like, hey, our personal branding's helping influence those things, or at least tracking like what percentage of traffic is driven from an employee post versus like a brand post or a paid ad or whatever. But honestly, Nick, as you know, like, I don't care about that stuff. I want to hire the best person first and foremost. That's what I care about. I value credibility and what people bring to a role first and foremost. I think personal brands are a value add. Now, with all that said, in today's day and age, we all care more about people and we all respond to people over branded pages and things of that nature. So I think it's a bonus to have someone like yourself or others that we've had, and we've had the good fortune of having on the Alice team that have really large audiences and can help basically provide way more impressions and more views on things than like a paid impression sometimes can. And I, I guess that's the last thing I would say is another quick way you can start to see this impact, if you will, is twofold. You can look at like when you're using LinkedIn, for example, you can go to the admin page and see all the employees that are posting and you can start to almost manually track in the beginning if you want. You can see how much engagement they're getting, what their reach is. And you can almost manually start to accumulate that over time. And as I was saying earlier, you can also use tools like GA and track and see that just the overall direct or, or you know non-direct traffic referrals that you're getting from these types of engagements. So that's the core ways I would do it, Nick. Those are some of the immediate things that come to mind. Nice. Okay. Yeah, no, it's, it's very helpful for sure. So I want to go down the path of like, consistency and like just you know i mean we can even talk imposter syndrome honestly because i know like we've talked about that before as well and so like i feel like you know we talk and, and you do a great job of like you know we talk about ideas and like things for like a company page like what are things people want to talk about or care about and like you can spin off so many different ideas but when it comes to to posting for yourself you dive too much into it, you overanalyze, and then you don't actually end up posting. And so like, I wanted to kind of talk about like, why do you feel like people do that in general? And, and like, why do you feel like there's a hesitation? And then how do you kind of like pivot that into consistency and like 
maybe it's not doing, you know, I'm not even saying post five days a week. I'm just saying like, Hey, you know, how do you do two days, three days a week? Like what would you do? Yeah. So it's funny. Cause uh, I feel like I've talked about this with you and Sarah Pion. Shout out to Sarah, by the way, hope you're loving your new role. For me, it comes back to my reputation and my credibility. So I think why I struggled for a long time, at least when I articulated the idea in my own head of like trying to curate or build a personal brand, there was two like competing forces at will, if you will. The first force is I don't want to be another voice that's sort of just the contributing to the echo chamber, if you will. Whether that's valid or not, at least for me, I have been parts of plenty of communities or what feels like endless posts about MQLs being dead or whatever the flavor of the week is. And I always felt that if I don't have a unique viewpoint or a unique perspective to add, then I don't want to contribute to it. So I'd say that's one force. I'd say the second force is, like I said, I've been so oversensitive to the credibility I've worked hard to try to build in that reputation that I don't want to say or put something online that might be perceived as like, wow, like, this guy doesn't get it. So to your point, Nick, and you know this because we've talked about it, what has been a struggle for me is I feel like it, I could spend five hours trying to concept one post, and obviously that doesn't scale. And what's ironic about that is I have helped you with stuff, and I can rattle things off in five seconds because it's not my brand, right? And the same thing for companies I've worked at. I can rattle off ideas for content or for social posts usually rather quickly, and oftentimes, Nick, I know you had a post yesterday, a poll that you and I brainstormed together over five minute conversation and that thing crushed. Like, I think it's in there, but for some reason there's like a mental block when it's for myself because I'm like so oversensitive to almost hurting our reputation that I've worked hard to build. Now, with that said, every interaction I have with any single person in life, whether it's a simple call, a one-to-one, you know, a discovery call with a vendor, I think what I sometimes overlook as well is that's all impacting your brand too, whether you fully recognize it or not. Just for some strange reason, I think myself and many others put this overabundance on the stuff that you're creating and putting on certain platforms because it's like, once you post it, it's there. And it's kind of like there forever. Like, you know how those tweets that see, see get deleted and like they magically aren't deleted. So I think it's always been that those forces at will, Nick. But it's a fascinating, you know, it's like I have debated and struggled with that one for a while. So I don't know if it's the case for everyone, but at least for me, that's been the, the struggle. Yeah, no, I mean, I think for a lot of people, especially starting out, I think that could be their struggle as well. People just, one, they don't know where to start which is going to bring me to my next question in a second. But like, it's also just like, they're, they're afraid of being judged. And, and the first thing that I ever realized was that like, the minute I hit post, there's always going to be people that disagree, or I put, you know, sour taste in their mouth or whatever, and just like getting over that piece. And yeah, like, I want everyone to like me too. But like, I mean, you could even ask, like, I feel like, you know, when I had Dave Gerhardt on here, I feel like we talked about something similar. And he was just like, you're always going to have people that that don't like you. And like, you just need to like get over like that piece, because ultimately, the pros outweigh the cons. And it's tough, though. I absolutely agree. It's tough for sure. Yeah, I think the only other thing I'd add is my natural personality and introverted traits that are physically with me every day do extend digitally as well, even though I'm behind a screen and keyboard. 
I'm still naturally an introvert. I'm still naturally more quiet. I'm still naturally more individual over like group. I can't change that about me. That's just who I am. So I do think there's an element of that at play as well, Nick, that I failed to mention earlier, but that's my perspective. I'd say the thing I would encourage people to think about is also your why. So if you are looking to manufacture, I don't mean to use the word manufacture in a bad way, but if you're looking to build your reputation online or to build a larger presence online to be more visible, whether it's for career opportunities or for you know opportunities to meet people or whatever your cause is, I would first challenge them to, around what that niche. I think that's where you're going with it. And, and maybe I'll just tease that and we'll go into it. But, you know, I'm very big on the people I enjoy to engage and follow have a unique perspective on things. But I'll, yeah. I'll stop because I think that's what you're about to ask. Yeah, but it's also funny because, like, I'm going to call you up because I feel like I pronounce it niche and you pronounce it, like, niche. And so, like, it's funny because I always see, like, random stuff, like, what's the correct way to pronounce it? I never know. But let's go down that path because for me, as you know, I took, like, the field marketing route because, you know, there's 750 million users on LinkedIn. And how many people talk about field marketing? Granted, I don't, I don't talk about it solely, like, the only topic anymore, but like for the first six to seven months, it's all I talked about. Every podcast I did, it was about field marketing. And so like, I was the only one and there's still, I mean, I've encouraged more field marketers to start to like post content. They don't talk about specifically field marketing, but like, it's good to see other field marketers show up and and talk about things and start to like do their own type of thing, which is nice. But like, do you think it's important to double down on something? And I mean, let's take demand gen, for example, I feel like Chris Walker kind of took that. And so like, it's hard because it's like, what do you niche or niche down on that like is important to you? It's like, you have to find something to carve your path. And like, how do you do that? Do you think that's important? Do you think it's important to like, just all in on like one, like subset of something? Or do you think you should stay broad? Yeah. So I have two views on this. And I feel like this is where I am currently at in my own brand evolution is trying to determine like what I think the right approach here is. My view is you could take one of two strategies. I think they have likely to have different impacts. But in terms of niche, by the way, I grew up with a speech impediment and I still suffer from it at times. So I will mispronounce words. I probably already have on this a hundred times. So apologies if that upsets anyone. But that approach of using a niche, I think why that's so effective is no different than when I'm sitting on my couch at night and I'm trying to decompress and I want to watch a Netflix show or catch up on the latest Yellowstone episode or whatever it might be. I'm picking something to watch or, or engage with or book based on some type of category or interest, right? That might be sports, that might be fantasy like Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings. That might be reality TV, right? The lovely category that is reality TV. I think the same thing around content creation in general. When you niche down or niche down into a very specific category, your audience starts to have an expectation for when I see something posted from Nick or Chris or DG or whomever it is, I know what to expect. Or at least I have a general synopsis of what to expect. That does not mean the one-size-fits-all approach is going to hold true to everyone. But 
I do think there's value. And I think your success and many others has been because you had an original perspective that allowed you to build an audience that then over time you could branch out, but you had to build an audience following over time. The other approach I think you can employ, the one that I have been debating is one where you can be slightly broader, but you're, what you're sharing is more around learnings and experiences that could go across a gauntlet. I think we all ultimately at the end of the day are humans, whether again, it's TV, podcasts, et cetera, we're listening to people's stories. I think those that can convey the ability to use platforms to share stories and share learnings can also have a lot of success. I just think it's harder to achieve that because oftentimes, like, I think there's jokes about this online all the place. Like you'll hear all people's success stories. You never had the failings or it's like people copy stories. It's just a lot of weird things out there. But I think either strategy, Nick, can work. What I've debated, and again, one of the things that I've struggled with is trying to figure out like what that unique perspective or voice is for me, because I don't want to contribute to the echo chamber. Like, I don't know if that would be helpful for others. So now what I'm debating, as you know, is like trying to figure out like, hey, can I share learnings that we're having from Alice, good or bad? Could I share what it's like going through hiring or finding a new job or whatever it is that I find useful or helpful? And I, if one person could find that beneficial, maybe that is worth sharing. And I guess that's the last point is for so long I've been, I think, struggled with the mindset that if I don't get at minimum of like 100 engagements, it's a failure. When I think you've pointed this out, I think Sarah, again, shout out to her and others have pointed out to me, like, all you really need is one. One person that finds something useful or engages with you, or it's sort of like how you and I met. We met through Pavilion, then I started following you on LinkedIn. We started exchanging DMs. I'm one of those. It might even been LinkedIn. I can't remember where. And, you know, come to find out, like, I saw value in stuff that you were doing and you saw value in some of the conversations we were having. And that exchange led to a friendship and now, you know, a peer to peer and and working relationship. Who would have guessed, by the way? And I think that's the mindset shift you need is you don't have to base things off of Chris, Nick and DG posts and they get a thousand engagements and Pete posts and he gets five. Yeah, like my ego might be bruised by that. But if those five people find value, I come back to that example I used around us promoting universe at Alice. Nick, your following is almost 10x the size of mine. And technically, my conversion on the traffic I was generating to our page outperformed yours. And that's something that I, you know, I rubbed your face in a little bit, but in a fun way. So, you know, I think that goes back to the age-old debate in marketing and sales of quality versus quantity to a degree and quality and friendships, partnerships network is way more important than volume. Yeah, 100% agree with you for sure. So I know we're coming up on time. So I got kind of two final questions for you. First question is, you know, and you kind of hit on this a little bit, but I'm interested, like, how does Pete decompress? But also, like, how do you keep your mind sharp? Like, do you read books? Do you listen to podcasts? Do you scroll LinkedIn endlessly like what do you do to like help better understand like to be a better marketer yeah yeah so the best way that i learn is by doing by far and large probably one of those weird people that i like to just find spare time and experiment with placing an ad on linkedin or whatever it might be in, in learning that's the best way for me personally to learn i seek inspiration through a combination of podcasts I'd say my favorite one right now, not to shout out individual people, but, you know, shout out to Chris and his team, 
their content definitely resonates pretty well with me. And I've been an active in, uh, participant on, on a lot of their stuff. In terms of reading, I do have a bunch of marketing books. I skim. I look for like one or two points of inspiration and I kind of put it down and then I try to go back to things as needed. But I, I tend to get more inspiration from things that are not marketing and work related, whether that's through like my parents' businesses, whether that's through my kids, TV. I just try to seek and keep the mind sharp by just engaging with things that are not work related because I found for a long time, and I think this is also one of the reasons that social wasn't as big of a play for me for a long time, is like I would sign on to Twitter, LinkedIn, or whatever platform it is, and before you know it, three hours passed. And it was like doom scrolling kind of thing. And you know, I, I'm going to go vulnerable for a quick second. Nick, you know this. But for a long time, despite whatever success that you might deem based on my current position and title and role in my career, you know, I would look around others on platforms like social platforms, et cetera, and feel like a failure because I didn't have the reach Nick that you have or the audience that some of these people have. And that, you know, especially in the last year plus that we've all lived through with the pandemic, that was a mental difficult place to be. And, and what was contributing to that was like doom scrolling and like seeing negative in things and not seeing positive, even though, ironically, like if I just took the time to reflect, I met you through being engaged on platforms. I got my role at Alice really through the relationships I built offline, not face to face, not through these were offline things that were curious from like just doing a DM on LinkedIn or a DM in, in a social community like Pavilion. So I would say it's taken a bit of a mind shift, Nick, and it, it hasn't been the easiest one. <laughs> but for me, the inspiration really, it's really about inspiration. And ideally, it's a combination of marketing related stuff and frankly, probably more stuff that isn't marketing related. So. Nice. I love it. Last question. For the marketer that has never posted anything online before, they want to just start. Because I get this question a lot from mostly college kids or like younger people. And they're just like, what do I talk about if I don't know what to talk about? Like, where can they get started? Like, what would you recommend? Like, hey, do X, Y, Z and at least start and see where it goes. Yeah. So three things. First, you do not need to be on social to have a good career or do well in your job. I am a spitting image of that. Two, observe first. Just spend time, find one person that inspires you and gives you that inspiration. And it's much easier to sort of clone or I don't want to use the word copy, but you can kind of get the view of how that individual is being successful and try to apply that to yours. And I think, you know, ultimately, if you're trying to figure out what to post, and I, I think I'm trying to do this more, is just share your learnings. Trying to figure out a niche or whatever word it is, that's difficult. And I'm still struggling with this two years later, Nick, I feel like I was, I think it's been two, roughly two. That is so hard. And I don't even feel like I've cracked that code, but I've seen so many people who, in that same time I'm debating a, a niche, I've seen people just share their story and share their journeys and share their learnings and they have blown up and they have built really strong followings and really strong audiences. And even I've come to admire them because they've been vulnerable and sharing those things. So that's, those would be some of the things that come to mind for me. Yeah, that was fantastic. Awesome. So Pete, you know, where can people go to find you connect with you, learn more about whatever you're doing, like feel free to plug anything that you want to plug here and we'll throw it into the show notes. 
Yeah, I'm really not one for promotion, as weird as that is. I'm a marketer, but I am on LinkedIn. It's probably the platform I'm most active on. There's not that many Pete Lorenkos, so L-O-R-E-N-C-O. But LinkedIn, probably predominant. Twitter, I'm technically there. I'm trying to figure out. I'm active on Twitter to observe how brands and people best use it, but I'm not the most active, if you will. And then, Nick, you and I have a podcast separate from this one, Real ABM. We're talking about season two, and I would love to see some of these people join us, maybe participate in a conversation with us. Absolutely. Fantastic. And don't forget www.alice.com. If you want to experience the number one smart gifting platform, feel free to head over and request a demo. I will hop on and personally give you one. We will send you a gift. (laughs) Absolutely. So Pete, thank you so much for joining me. It was a pleasure. I know we've already been on like, what, like two or three calls today. So like, you know, we'll just keep it moving. Thank you again. Thanks all. Thanks, Nick. Thank you for listening to Rep Your Brand. Make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And if you learned something new today, it'd be great if you left us a review. We'll catch you next time.